Hey Northridge, welcome to A Little Better, where our goal is to know God better and to do better so that we can be a little better. Hey everyone and welcome back to A Little Better. Thank you for listening in on this beautiful day that we are recording it on Monday, March the 22nd. It is beautiful outside. In fact, if you're watching this, you can probably tell that there's sun streaming in from the window behind me, which means my face is totally washed out and you can barely see it. But if you have a choice between sunshine and my face, choose seeing sunshine. That's just like a rule in life. But anyway, Drew, thanks for jumping on. I'm excited about having this conversation. It's going to be a good one. I can feel it. Um, we were just talking about how it's officially iced coffee season. So like walk me through what for you, what are the parameters around the, the temperature of your coffee and how do you decide? <laughs> it's all gut. So, um, you know, but usually winter I'm going hot unless it's a, you know, cold brew, cold foam. I'll, I'll never turn that down. So, um, but you know, when it gets, when that sun starts to heat your skin up, you get warm, it, you just, you can, you want something more refreshing than warming and cozy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the distinguishing factor. Do I want cozy and warm or do I want refreshing and like a burst of energy mm -hmm. and, you know, outside today, laying in the sun for lunch, picnic with my girls and my boys. I was like, mm, I need something refreshing. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, um, I listening, my black coffee right here. Come on. Uh, I would say I like, at weird times, if I really feel like I need the taste or if I need the caffeine, I have this weird psychological thing that has no basis in physiology, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I only drink hot coffee when I'm like looking for the caffeine burst. So let's say it's a, even if it's a hot day in the middle of summer and I'm feeling like I'm dragging in the afternoon, no matter what I'm doing, if I feel like, oh, I'm really tired. I go for hot coffee every time. And sometimes we'll like, we'll be going through Dunkin' Donuts or something, which is our preference over Starbucks. And if we have a gift card or whatever, we're going through and Lauren will be like, all right, I'm getting a nice coffee or whatever. I'm assuming you want that too. Cause we, whatever coffee we're getting, we're always getting the same thing 99% of the time. And if I'm like, no, I'm tired. I want a hot coffee. I don't know why <laughs> coffee is I mean, hot is more like of a pick me up, but I basically treat iced coffee like it's like a dessert basically it's that's where it sits in my mind in a category is like, Oh, nice. I had a great lunch. Like time for some dessert with some iced coffee. It doesn't make any sense. It feels backwards to me a little bit because like, I don't know if this is true, but like I would, I drink iced coffee way faster than I drink hot coffee. Mm. So like, if I want the pick me up, I, I, what I, my like logical approach would be like, I'm going to down this cold beverage as fast as I can. I'm going to gulp it and it's going to be in my system and pick me up way faster. Cause that like is, hot coffee, I'm, I'm like, you know, like I sips. don't think what I'm doing makes any sense. I think in my head <laughs> I'm getting less volume because there's ice in it or something. I don't, I don't know. I have no real reason, but I know like I have, I know people who will like, my father-in-law is like this whenever they're they're in town he'll take like whatever leftover coffee like if we make coffee in the morning whatever there's any leftover he'll pour it in a container put it in the refrigerator and then he'll sometimes have like iced coffee as his first coffee of the day and i'm like i can't do that there's no you know i don't care how hot it is outside i could never have my first cup of coffee be cold but i don't know if i'm that's, just broken that's what i love about the summertime in like warm weather it's like that for, i i agree with you the first cup of coffee in the morning 
it feels weird for it to be a cold coffee. That just, that my brain doesn't, nah. But yeah. great is, you know, most of the time you waste coffee, right? You brew eight Very cups, four, and there's that nasty coffee sitting in the cup. But yeah. what's great about this time of year is you brew that morning coffee, you drink it, you enjoy it. And then you come back around noon and you're like, I need a little pick me up. You go with the iced coffee because it's already cold. It's like brewing in itself, getting stronger, <laughs> pour it over ice and boom, you don't even have to do any work. It's already done for you. His That's name awesome. is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you used the word, it's basically, you said it, you pour it over ice, which means that makes it a pour over and it's, it's cold brew because it's sitting there cold and it was brewed. So that's a cold brew pour over iced coffee. That's not actually what those terms mean, but it sounds so much fancier than leftover coffee over ice. So you tell coffee people that they'll drink it just because it's, Oh, it's a cold brew pour over. Yes. I've, oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> oh my goodness. We are judging them. And that's our segue into God as the ultimate judge. We should just shut down this podcast right now because the pinnacle has been achieved. <laughs> anyway, uh, week three, this was, no, this was week two, sorry, week two of All Rise. And um, we were just talking about this. I feel like this series developing slowly kind of has a unique feel to it because, and we, we mentioned this last week on the podcast, but I just think the fact that you don't get the answer by the end of every message kind of has a fun effect. And you were just saying how much you're looking forward to this coming weekend, because this is the, the answer. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Uh, we're creating cliffhangers each week. We're basically doing what, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all these TV shows do. We're trying to entice you, but leave you hanging. Right. And it's been hard. It's been incredibly hard. Like I'm ready to just unleash the power and the truth of the gospel. But like, it's like, I got to hold myself back. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think we're getting a really good understanding of the gospel through the lens of a courtroom. And it is a slow, like court cases are not quick, boom, easy. It's like, Hey, it's methodical. It's evidence here, defense here. It's like, Oh, a change, new evidence is found. Like there's always constantly something happening and it's this unfolding of layers. Uh, and that's kind of what we're doing. We're unfolding the layers through characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that idea from the beginning, from the first time you mentioned it as a potential sermon series, I thought like this is a really cool concept and it has continued to be one that I've uh, appreciated. And I think this week, maybe maybe even more than week one, uh, has like this amazing connection because I think if, if you, again, maybe it's just crime TV that I watch or whatever, um, but it, it always, from what little I know, it does matter what judge you get, you know, like how attorneys prepare their case. It matters who's the prosecutor. It matter who, matters who's the judges. It matters when the court hits. I mean, the, the case hits the, the court, you know, what other things are going on? Is there political pressure at the time? You know what I mean? There's like so many factors that now ideally, right? Like justice is always described, I mean, pictured as lady justice is blindfolded holding scales, right? Like ideally justice is blind and there should be no, no of none of those external factors should matter, but we understand the human element. And we know that like, it absolutely matters who your defense attorney is. It matters who the prosecutor is, it matters who the judges. And so I don't, I honestly don't have any idea how the judge is selected in any given case. You know, there's probably different systems in different jurisdictions, but that moment of like, we got the judge we were hoping for is like, 
you know, the big deal, like you, one illustration we had originally talked about was maybe talking about like in the NCAA tournament, like you get that seeding and now you find yourself playing against the one seed and you're like, Oh, great. Or maybe you got like a really favorable seed and it turns out like in your favor, that's a huge moment in a case. And so I feel like this was a really cool, like relatable, understandable thing of like, yeah, it matters to your judges. And let me tell you a little bit about this judge. Right. Uh, well, and I think this courtroom is different than, you know, our often like our societies because there is no jur- jury, right? Mm, so like that's right. There, are, there are no peers here listening to this case and really deciding the verdict. Um, from what I know, again, I'm very ignorant to the courtroom other than God's courtroom. So like <laughs> I say things that aren't fully accurate, it's because I am ignorant. But as far as I know, the judge kind of rules the courtroom, but he's just declaring the the verdict that the jury decides on and then he handles the sentencing. Mm-hmm. In this courtroom, it's a little different because God is the jury and the judge. So he's mm-hmm. deciding the verdict and he's deciding the sentencing. And right. so it matters even in, in, in this courtroom that much more who the judge is because he's playing two roles in our society of courtroom. Right. Yeah. And I think the, even in, in, I, again, here we go. We're both, we're both ignorant here, but I think the difference there is like a jury trial versus a bench trial. I think it's called a bench trial where like the, the judge is the one in charge of everything. Like they actually make the ruling. And so, yeah, there's no, like, I just got to convince these 12 jurors or like, we got to get one person to say there's not probable cause or like, no, this is, this is just, it's all about the judge. It's all about how they ascertain the issues. And I think the fact like these descriptions of he can't be, he upholds what is right in that he's perfect, just, and righteous, and that he can't be swayed. He shows no bias. He can't be bought and he knows everything. I love you use the phrase, you can't introduce evidence into this courtroom that he doesn't already know. And again, just like introducing evidence, like that very courtroom sounding phrase. I think that that's so interesting. Like there's no no, that, that evidence can't be included because, you know, the search warrant wasn't legal or something, you know, there's all these technicalities and like, no, there are no technicalities. There are, there's nothing but like the purest of evidence and it's all relevant to the case and it's all admissible in court. (laughs) So it's not good. Yeah. Uh, And that's terrifying for us. Right. mm -hmm. You know, the, What's so amazing about this court case too is the prosecutor is like, yes, we got God. Even though it's God's mortal enemy, he's like, I know who God is mm-hmm. and I know they're guilty. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I think, you know, the, the enemy, Satan, in this court case feels like he somehow trapped God, right? Mm-hmm. He somehow got using God. Using his character against him or something. Yes, he's using God's perfection, his justice. He can't be swayed, no bias against him to punish the very people that he loves. And like, this is his like, woohoo, I've not only got them, but I got God. And Mm. we won't understand fully until next week, how God is God. And he provides a way, even while he still stays true to who he is and his character Mm. and everything that's true about him. And it's going to be incredible. I'm like, foaming at the mouth. I'm like drooling a little bit because I just can't wait to get to Uh. next that's awesome. Yeah. And I love that is this tension. Normally we don't have to sit in it for a week, but I think for people, especially maybe that have never understood 
like what's coming this weekend in relationship to God being just and the justifier or propitiation, some of those terms that we talk about. Like if some people aren't familiar with that and they've never heard it before, I think this is arguably the perfect way to introduce it because it's bit by bit, it's week by week, it's slowly over time. And so you are waiting for the like, I guess you're right. Hold up. Like, how does he forgive me if he's a just judge? No, you can ask that. Normally in a message, it would be like, oh, how could a just judge allow a person to go free? Great question. And then you give the answer and nobody like has to sit with it. But if you have to sit with it, you're like, no, wait, hold on. That is confusing. Like that. I would never want a normal judge to do that. And so, um, but now that we're the ones being accused, we're like, no, I'm kind of open. He has a bad day, <laughs> you know, and, and acts out of character because this is, I do not want this, this verdict. And I certainly don't want this sentence and the verdict is guilty. The sentencing, you know, you talked about pain in this world and death and a broken relationship with God. Um, those are huge. And that's the reality of what we're all living in or it not for the fact that what you get to obviously at the end is that he sees the worst in people and still loves them. Um, which is an incredible fact that doesn't make any sense literally until this coming Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I loved about these first two, first two weeks, as dark as they were, what I loved was we often don't sit in the darkness, right? Who, who wants to do that? But there is, there is something beneficial. As, as, you know, as opposite as this sounds, there is something really beneficial about sitting in the darkness for, for a, a second or two, marinating on it, right? Because that's what makes the gospel good news is understanding how desperate we were, how we couldn't fix the problem. That's all bad news. It's all dark news. But we got to recognize that to fully grasp the greatness and the sweetness of the gospel. And I have loved that. It's not something we do. Like in, in one sermon, we create a sense of darkness. Like it was bad, but we often resolve it, right? Makes mm -hmm. sense. We want to resolve it because that's the greatest story ever. But I loved sitting in the darkness. And, and again, that sounds weird saying, right? I want to get to the light. We're going to get to the light. But mm -hmm. and sitting in that darkness, I think it's given people a chance to really think about, man, okay, I, I do need something greater than me. I, right. I can't conquer this, right? And I don't think we often do that. And I think it's really important too. Mm -hmm. And if we believe that the gospel is truly an ultimate solution in that there's nothing it couldn't overcome, okay? So let's, let's say that that's true, that it is the greatest news of all time. There's no bad thing that it can't overcome. Then it would actually be, if it has infinite power and capability of overcoming bad, we will make it look more and more glorious the more the worse we make the situation that we were in sound. So like if you think you have if you think you can get, you know, if this is a oxyclean commercial and you think you can get out any kind of stain, well then you don't do like you know a super small kind of stain that is normally easy to get out with any kind of product, like go for red wine on white carpet. You know what I mean? Like that's why they're always doing that kind of stuff. That's like, you'll never get that out, but wait, there's oxyclean. You know what I mean? Which is, this is like a dumb illustration, but I think the idea is just like, no, describe it as bad as you possibly can. Like don't leave out any detail about how awful it is. Go to your worst possible imagination as to what the situation is. And I promise you, there's nothing you can put into the into the gap I'm creating for how bad it was. There's nothing you can put in that gap that the gospel can't overcome. And if 
the, the beauty of the gospel, which is you said it this way, to taste the sweetness of the gospel, we must understand the bitterness of our guilty verdict. That's just another way of saying the same reality that stare it in the face, make it as bad as it can possibly be. And I think our stripe of Christianity has tended to make it in an effort to help people see that Christ loves them and that he offers them salvation freely. We have at times been accused, probably rightly, um, of making the gospel too easy and, and, and downplaying the significance of sin. Right. I think some of that's well-intentioned, but it's important that we say like, no, we're, we're stepping away from that as much as possible. We want to make sin look as bad as humanly possible because of how good we believe the gospel is. Right. And I think one of the greatest like hurdles for some people to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ is they don't think they're bad. Mm. Right. Like, mm, totally. If we, don't sit in the bad and make it clear and compelling that we are that like that. That's a hurdle. Why, why do I need Jesus? I'm a moral person. Like we, mm -hmm. again, we, we don't mean to do this, but we've created this, you know, moralistic gospel where like, if we look the part, it, it's not about looking the part. It's about, Hey, I, I was bad and I couldn't conquer my bad. And so I have, I need something greater to do that. And one of that hurdles is, Hey, there, I haven't sat in that bad and recognized I am that. And I think a lot of people are like, what do I need Jesus for? Like, I'm, I'm a moral person. I'm a good person. Look at all the stuff I do. Right. I'm not bad. And so I think that's a huge hurdle for some people. And going back to the OxyClean illustration, it would be like them saying, why do I need this? There's my carpet doesn't have any stains, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. or it's got small stains and I'm able to work most of them out. You know what I mean? It's like, whatever. I, I, and that's silly, but I think that it's, you're right. And I think helping to see people like, no, no, not only do you need this, you need it so much worse than you could possibly imagine. And we want you to sit with that for a bit. Um, it's important that we preach the reality of sin because without the reality of sin, there's no need for a gospel and Christ's sacrifice was in vain. So um, I think it's been great. Uh, I, I was compelled by the reality of listening to, Oh, this was a thought I had as I was listening. Normally we describe all these characteristics of, of God, by the way, my camera did cut out there for a second. If you're watching, I don't know what's going on. It might happen again. Sorry if it does. I'll try to get it back, but people minded your face. Like, and it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. It would be much more tragic if yours had gone off. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No, no, I'm no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Um, these characteristics of God that he, oh, he's perfect. He's just, and he's righteous. I thought about it. Like, how often do we bring up those characteristics as a negative thing, mm. right? Because in this context, the more perfect he is, the more just he is, the more we're like, no, 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 don't tell me he's perfect. Don't tell me he knows everything. All of these characteristics, we normally bring them up as in the pros column, like, look how great God is. But when you're the one who's hoping that he's, you know, like a crooked judge that you can pay off, the more things that are good about him, that you're taking all of that goodness and sticking it in the cons column. Cause like, I don't want to, don't tell me anything else about how good this guy is. Um, so I, I was just, I was listening. I thought I've never heard someone talk about God and all of his perfection. And I've been thinking, sitting there like, oh man, shoot. <laughs> I was hoping he wasn't like that. You know, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I didn't even think about it that way, but like, it is a con for us. Like, dang, I don't want this judge because I am guilty, right? Mm -hmm. A guilty person doesn't want a good judge. No way. Why would, no, absolutely. You want the most crooked. You want them in your pocket immediately. So you can go in that courtroom just knowing like I'm buying my way out of this. You a hundred percent. 
if you're innocent, you hope that the justice system is as good as it can possibly be because you're hoping that I'm innocent until proven guilty. And so I hope that that will show up. But no, not if you're guilty, man. You want it as crooked as it can possibly get. And God is the opposite of that. So anyway, I just, as I was listening, I thought, man, I've never been more disappointed that God is just. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah, this weekend is going to be great. I know we're just two weeks out from Easter. Um, I got those invite cards. And honestly, my neighborhood yesterday looked like a block party, Mm. like, it, Sunday afternoon, I walked out to go on a walk with the boys and I, it seriously felt like there would, somebody had passed out flyers and I just missed it. There were probably, there were like 30 people within a hundred yards of my house, just walking around in the street, like kids on scooters and people moving stuff in their yard and raking and cleaning up sticks. And I just thought like, wow, my neighborhood is coming out of hibernation. And I thought like, man, this is going to be so easy to hand out these cards. And yeah. so looking forward to Easter and looking forward to this weekend. Cause I know, um, we're, we're believing that God's going to continue to do cool things. Yeah. And I would say, Hey, don't wait till Easter. I think this is a great weekend to invite, man, mm. especially people on your pie squared list that you want to hear the news of the gospel, understand it in a unique way and receive it. Like bring them this weekend, tell them mm. to log in because you know, what's interesting is the Easter Easter weekend message is going to be powerful, but it's the accumulation is really week three week four, we kind of step out of the courtroom again and we Mm. see the response to what happened in the courtroom. And so again, don't wait to invite to Easter, like, Hey, make those huge invites, but why not this weekend too? So like, let's go after we already got those cards. Hey, I love to have Easter, but this weekend's going to be amazing too. You might want to check it out. I love it. Yeah. Certainly never a bad weekend. uh, Hopefully there's never a bad weekend uh, to, to invite somebody to church. (laughs) At least that's our, that's our desire. (laughs) So anyway, Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you got questions or if you want to get access to a digital invite um, to Northridge, you can always go to iwant.info. There's an Easter digital invite. If you want to use that, we've got physical cards. If you need more than you were given, we always give you more. So there's more coming this Sunday, but then also if you swing by either of our campuses, I'm sure we'd be able to give you a whole stack if you want them. So looking forward to this weekend, we're actually going to be doing communion in the service, uh, assuming everything. I think, I think that's what the plan was. I'm sometimes my plan. Sometimes I say the wrong things, but I'm fairly certain that's happening. On time. We will. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Everybody. Thanks for, thanks for listening. And we'll, we'll catch you guys next time.